0: This is your host and producer, John Beethan, with AlternativeHealthTools.com, the podcast. And this is episode 60, titled Enneagram, Wisdom Path to Meeting Yourself. It's subtitled, A Perfect Episode for Our Challenging Times. All of this with Jerice Pappas, who we first had on episode 58, November 1st, 2016. Today, Jerice asks the question, what does it take to love every part of yourself, and what are the challenges to meet ourselves there? There are several references on the website in the show notes to many books that Jerese talks about, and there's a parable called The Little Acorn. So come visit us at alternativehealthtools.com. where together. We discover new and alternative health tools and resources from alternative health care practitioners and experts. Welcome back. This is John Beetham, your host at alternativehealthtools.com, the podcast, and back by popular demand from episode 58, which is, is Jarese Pappas. Um, that particular episode was titled Enneagram Wisdom, The Alchemy of You, which was published on uh, November 1st, 2016. And welcome back, Jarese.
1: Thank you, John.
0: Popular demand. Isn't that fun? It feels good. Yeah. It feels good. Yeah, exactly. So, um, what's up?
1: What's up, well, there's a lot up these days, isn't there, John? Yeah, there is, and it's all of what seems to be up seems to be bringing about a lot of a lot of emotion in people
0: uh, you, do you think it has to do with the election, which we're not going to talk about necessarily, but I mean, do you think things are stirred up from that?
1: I think the election was a catalyst. And, uh, however, I feel like there has been a, what the election catalyzed has been wanting to happen in Mm. human consciousness for a long time. So, it really didn't matter who was elected, really. Mm. This was going to, this, what's happening now was wanting to happen.
0: Mm.
1: And, and so, therefore, because it is happening, um, there is this exquisite opportunity uh, and what's exciting to me is it seems like there is this heightened interest. People are um, in people understanding themselves. there seems to be uh, a more uh, more interest in understanding another the other, the other person. Mm. Mm. Uh, there's interest in looking at you know for instance, shall I say the word Trump? uh what motivates this guy mm. right so but at a personal level it's what motivates what motivates us what motivates each other
0: and what motivates you and what motivates me yeah
1: right at the very personal level mm-hmm. so uh there people people myself included feel uh seem challenged right now and it seem, there's a lot of, um, there seems to be a lot of pain, uh, a lot of fear. Uh, also, a lot of um, people seem to be actively charged within to take inspired action. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be a lot of all of this. And I feel that on my way this morning, I spent most of the morning in a meditative place, uh, getting ready for... What would come through today? And on my way over here, I was feeling so um, so vulnerable. I actually literally started to cry Mm. uh, in as I was driving over here, feeling um, what it takes to meet ourselves. What it what it takes for me to eat to meet myself. What it takes for me to show up today and be a portal for wisdom to come through me. Um, I won't kid you, it took everything. It takes everything for me to sit here. And and yet there isn't any other place I would want to be than right here and allowing myself to be a vehicle for the wisdom of the Enneagram to come through me and be of benefit to others.
0: Awesome. Well. So, Welcome again. Thank you. all of you, all thank the parts. You.
1: Well, I'm going to play right off of that um, because <laughs> that is that is really um, what is seems to be a, a theme right now, um, and it's loving loving all of who we are. What does it take to love all of who we are? What does it take to meet yourself? you're asking me? I'm asking everybody listening right now. Yeah, yeah. What does it take? And in my experience, it takes everything. I'm not going to candy coat this process one bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it, it takes a, uh, a deep, authentic willingness to, um, to love to meet, to listen to everything that arises in ourselves. And our conditioning has a, has us practiced not by our, not by virtue of, Oh, one day you decided to practice this, Mm -hmm. but I will say that your Enneagram, your, that, that, invisible yet very felt Enneagram mechanism inside of you, which can be called a personality type. It could be called a mechanism. It could be called a style, a point, what have you, but it is a holographic living, living um, system map inside Mm -hmm. of you and me and everyone that animates all we do, all we, what we think, how we respond, how we react and it somewhat holds the code in a certain way and yet um we can we can disidentify and break the code which allows us to break these habits and conditionings that allow us to more intimately be with ourselves more right. intimately love ourselves. And when when that has when that has happened, then there's something that opens up inside of us that not only do we have this wonderful field of friendliness and availability living inside of us restored, but we're able to see others more truly and the whole world um you know this uh, this enneagram system. This any it's it's I liken it sometimes in in a way to like the Da Vinci Code. Hmm. It's it, it's often misunderstood. Um, it's actually this system. This it's somewhat based in natural law and arithmetic and, al- and algorithms. That there's this in- intelligence to um, to the lines and the points in the Enneagram, the law of one, the law of three, the law of seven. Um, there's a, I'm, I'm not going to go into that today, but those all live inside the, of the Enneagram. It's in nature, it is in the world at large, and it lives in ourself, in all of ourselves, in this holographic way, So a lot of times people who have heard of the Enneagram, people can get really hung up on what type am I? Well, guess what? You're all of them. Everybody's all of them. And, and I do not uh, diminish the importance of this, there is a core originating type. There is a core originating holographic Enneagram type map that is inside of each and every one of us we do have a core starting point that uh res- that gets um that develops our our survival strategy how we um cope how we contract how we f- survive um It really is ultimately our survival strategy. But as life presses into us, as uh, people, you know, our mothers might have been, have stubbed their toe on their way into the bathroom and, you know, little Johnny's two years old. And next thing you know, um, the mother screams and little Johnny thinks it has something to do with little Johnny. And, all of a sudden, depending on what enneagram mapping system is inside of Little Johnny, Little Johnny is going to either um, pull away and um, and recoil a bit, and ultimately, as you know, life happens and and um, you know dogs are barking or you know people. bully bully us or or even wonderful things happen, really, truly. Um, Getting tremendous accolades as a little kid for bringing home, you know, gold stars. That can, for a certain Enneagram type, can be, I want more of that, Mm. right? So that ends up, for another Enneagram type, that could end up building that as a survival strategy, right? At the core of it all, I think for all of us, it comes down to um, ways of of mitigating f- feeling fear. It's all it's all a relationship to fear in one way or another, and ultimately to be loved, feeling love, being loved. Period. And it so it's it's that's the the nascent. Uh, motivating factors, really, mm-hmm. is fear and love. Mm. Seems like a, a good pausing point at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to ask anything?
0: No, no, I, I'm actually, I'm feeling pretty quiet inside. Mm. So, you may continue. Thank you. Yeah, you've got it. you have a student in the room.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> so, what I would like to... Um, where I think where another what I'd like to go back to is, it's it's not so much about getting identified with a type, yeah, and I really can't emphasize that enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I may, it's like after our, our episode fifty-eight, and one day I contacted you and with a number, and it's like you straightened me out right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> now. I'm not a number. You're not a number. We are all the numbers. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's not put, our, put each other in a box. Let's not stick a label on us. As a good wise teacher once told me, labels are for pickle jars.
1: Yes. And yet, you know, as with all true systems, we'll, I will contradict myself all over the place. Because guess what? We were born in this box Mm. So, yes, there's something to, um, you know, putting others in a box is not necessarily, you know, mm. a, a, a wise choice, um, but there is this system living inside of us that is, uh, it's advantageous and it's it's actually paramount key, I can't emphasize how important it is to become aware and hip to How this, how this type, how this works through us? Because it is only in becoming aware that we can liberate ourselves. So there's an irony here. Um, You know, basically, it's through the process of observing, through the process of self inquiry, and really, truly being an active participant in our own evolution. That is the, that's the crux of how the Enneagram can be beneficial to our growth, to, to waking up to uh, our ultimate evolution, the evolution of ourselves and as a soul. So I'd like to share a a, kind of like a, a teaching story. And this is a, a parable that is in a book called The Wisdom Way of Knowing that author Cynthia Borjolt wrote. And it captures the essence of what this Enneagram as an ancient uh, knowledge tradition says about us as humans and our, and our process. So here's the story. Once upon a time, in a not-so-far-away land, there was a kingdom of acorns nestled at the foot of a grand old oak tree. Since the citizens of the kingdom were modern, fully westernized acorns, they were about their business with purposeful energy. And since they were midlife baby-booner acorns— they engaged in a lot of self help courses. There were seminars called Getting All You Can Out of Your Shell. There were woundedness and recovery groups for acorns who had been bruised in their original fall from the tree. There were spas for oiling and polishing those shells and various acornopathic therapies to enhance longevity and well-being. One day, in the midst of this kingdom, there suddenly appeared a naughty little stranger, apparently dropped out of the blue by a passing bird. He was capless and dirty, making an immediate negative impression on his fellow acorns. And crouched beneath the oak tree, he stammered out a wild tale. Pointing upward at the tree, he said, We are that. Delusional thinking, obviously, the other acorns concluded, but one of them continued to engage him in conversation. So tell us, how would we become that tree? Well, he said, pointing downward, it has something to do with going into the ground and cracking open the shell Insane, they responded. Totally morbid. Why, then we wouldn't be acorns anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Wow.
0: Yeah, right.
1: That is such a powerful story. Um, You know, in a way, the, the shell to me mm-hmm. represents our personality mm. represents this
0: thing we hang ourselves on around other people and ourselves
1: <laughs> well it's this it's what you know it's what I'm referring to as the the Enneagram type that lives inside of us that we interact with the world with that we get so identified with. Mm-hmm. And a part of us can even get terrified of that shell breaking Mm. and cracking. Um, And yet, it isn't until the shell cracks and we let ourselves be penetrated by the soil and the nutrients and the whole process of life that we can grow into the fullness of the tree and be the beautiful, magnificent oak tree. Awesome and the biggest the big magnificent oak tree is essentially us playing with every point in the enneagram being able to embody being a fully integrated human being you see so it's kind of ironic we're we're born we get we kind of get um unconsciously identified with this personality slash personality type that lives within us. We don't even realize it's happening. Most of the time we don't. We're just trying to get, you know, love from our mother or something like that. Mm -hmm. But as we do that, we're, we're doing it a particular way and getting identified just like we're getting identified with the shell. Mm. So I just find this to be incredibly, um, incredibly powerful. And I think as in life, as we get reminded about the potential that we are, we can be encouraged. It might feel like we're being annihilated just Mm -hmm. because we're letting go of particular personality defenses. But it's not true. It's actually not true. So like the the little acorn, we what's, what seems requisite in this process of us waking up is going underground, so to speak. But the acorn literally goes underground, you know. Our the likeness of that in ourselves is being willing to go deep inside of ourselves. To practice the self-inquiry, to practice the self-reflection, to become interested in understanding what our originating motivations are. Mm -hmm. And the, the miraculous thing that happens is that as we do that, it creates space. A space gets created that then allows us to make a new decision. I remember many years ago, it was maybe seven or eight years ago, as I was becoming uh, intimately aware about what my enneagram type is and how it um, how it was. <laughs> I was going to say how it was ruining my life. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you gotta laugh at yourself, folks. I gotta tell you, Um, it's one of my salvations in life is that I can laugh at myself. Um, You know, good God, you know my my enneagram type as um, now I'm not so counterphobic, but there was a period where I was classically, you know, known as a counterphobic six, and oh my God, but I walk into a room with you know. you know, just in a ballsy way and trying to take care of my friends and defend them and da da da. And, you know, it was exhausting being me, I have to just tell you, it was exhausting being me. And I, I thought I was helping my friends a lot of times, you know, maybe I did sometimes, but it was, there was a way that I had so much energy into in defense and protection and that I was I was totally unaware how cut off I was from feeling myself and really truly being in tune with the other people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that I care about, the ones that I care about the most. So this is where taking the time and and working with someone uh like myself, for instance, who can support you in being able to lovingly meet yourself, to lovingly meet where, how we def- where we're defended. You know, it's you know, I know we're talking I have this beautiful acorn story, but that the other analogy about being fish in our own fishbowl, it really it can be, while it's an inside job, oftentimes it's helpful to work with someone else Mm -hmm. because uh, what what somebody who has the wisdom and vision can do is help you suspend you as the little fish out of the fishbowl for a moment. Then once we get hip to what these patterns are that take us down these paths that may not be of service to us, we in that in that moment where the, where where we are taking a moment to to look inside and reflect, a space gets created that we can make a new choice. And I promise you because I see this in my life i am I am not even close to the person I was five years ago, maybe even two years ago. The other gift of this process of really Letting really applying yourself to understanding yourself through the lens of the Enneagram is you become more of who you truly are. It just happens. It happens, but it happens with practice. It happens every every day that I feel um, fear come into my mind. Or negative thoughts. I was like, okay, I stop. I, I I pause with them. Sometimes I may need to, you know, when a when a when a when a when a dog will like shake and let fear move through it. It's like a PTSD reaction. Sometimes it, I have to s- still let it go through me. Um, shake it off. Shake it off feel it feel it all the way through and yet i rem, i'm reminding myself at the process in the, in during the process i at this point in my development i do have access to an active witness that is with me and knows and i'm reminding myself i'm not my personality system mm. i'm more than my personality system I am this highest witness who is uh, lovingly holding how my personality system is transforming breath by breath, moment by moment, by point of focus of attention to point of focus of attention. You know, uh, this was not, I never thought I would say this, but, you know, I was raised Catholic and... One of the one of my favorite things that I was told Jesus said, because I didn't literally hang out with Jesus, um, is that the kingdom of heaven lives within you, and I love that, and that is my experience with this, and I actually feel like the Enneagram gives us access to this kingdom of heaven that lives within us. Hmm.
0: As an example, what would you say?
1: I'm feeling it right now. Mm. I'm feeling it right now. It's there's um, there is this wave of peacefulness. You know, the there's something about. Um, okay, let me let me try to answer your question. Um, I won't kid you. I was feeling. Um, a, tr- a tremendous amount of um, fear, uh, you know. Sitting here, what was going to what was, what what was going to come through me today? Sitting at the sitting at this microphone, and I kept meeting myself. I kept letting myself be guided by my my highest vision, which is to to be of service, to let myself be a wisdom leader, to. Um, to not disallow the fear it actually i have learned whether i like it or not it needs to be met and in the meeting of it it transmutes so here i've been doing that the whole time and then i get to this you know un- unexpected holy moment where i'm remembering what jesus said and I'm also thinking of the um, the, the triangle in this, and I, I may or may not go into all of the different types today because I feel like I did that quite well in the last. Oh yeah. Um, in the last segment, um, the there is a central triangle in the enneagram, and it goes. There's a nine at the top of the triangle. There's a three at the bottom right. Of the triangle, and there is a six at the bottom left of the triangle. And the triangle is, um, it's has a, it can have a holy inference in a certain way. You know, in Christianity, it's the Holy Trinity. Um, but it has a, so regardless of where one starts in the Enneagram, this central triangle is a core part of our being. So this this trinity, this this nine six three triangle, as the the bedrock core of the enneagram that again lives inside of us. This, as a whole, this triangle itself, this trinity, um, which can is also also likened to the the law of three. It represents creation. So it's so encoded within us in this 369963 however you want to say it it doesn't matter relationship is the activation point for creation within us and all processes that we go through so the it turns out that speaking of type 3 and there would be in some ways, even more emphasis for someone who would be a type three. But the core transformational theme connected to type three is disidentification from the personality through observation. So again, I'll say that one more time. So, and I'm not right right now, I'm not speaking, I'm speaking to the overall process so I'm not speaking to qualities that go with type three. But as it relates to the power of this trinity, this central triangle, which is the hub of the Enneagram, that the core transformational theme, again, connected to type three, is actually actively disidentification from the personality through observation. Mm. The second step, and this, this, this is all inside of the Enneagram being a wisdom path of awakening, right? This is just to, again, reiterate the context. So type six, which is on the bottom left of the triangle, is all about surrendering to the fear and emotional suffering associated with loosening our personality or ego defenses Mm. so that we can put down our defenses and integrate our shadow. Our shadow being the um, disassociated or warded off feelings or aspects of ourselves that um, we deemed... Well, it we didn't even actually deem them anything. They just they they're aspects of ourselves that all of a sudden we um, became unconscious to, but are nonetheless um, having quite an impact on the show, so to speak. And then um, a th- the the third piece, the the nine, so and symbolized by the nine, is actively working toward transcendence and union. And this is so that we can rise above our limited view of our personality as fish in the fishbowl, as I was saying earlier, and merge with this greater sense of um, our wholeness, of peace, of tranquility, of of ultimate of ultimately being able to live, from our our highest self. And I just can't emphasize enough um that this process requires uh so much humility. You know, our defenses can be um so strong, so very strong. And like that little acorn um It's, we, it's, it's, I'm always now going to keep an image of, uh, you know, the big oak tree in my mind's eye as a representation, and I'm going to have it be a gold large oak tree um, as the illuminated um, human being that I am growing into, and that we all can grow into. So what does it take, you know, going back to, um, what does it take to to, to meet ourselves? What are, what are some of the challenges that uh, come along with each type that lives inside of us? So, I could speak to that. Do. If, if you'd yeah. like. Um,
0: it would almost feel like a summary of what you've, you've come to.
1: Well, I was actually going to spend a little bit of time, you know, in the, in the Enneagram, we have, you know, people, if you look in, look in different books, and and I will say one of my, one of my favorite references um, is uh, Beatrice Chestnut's The Complete Enneagram, uh, 27 Paths to Greater Knowledge. Um, It's a fantastic reference. Um, And so some of this material comes directly uh, from there and but very commonly um there is something called the passion the passions in the enneagram and these are essentially emotional states um or unconscious needs that that drive how we focus our attention and so i'm going to speak to what this is in each type um And I'm really glad in the last segment that I spoke to the glory um, of kind of like the illuminated highest virtues that we can all attain, um, because this part isn't as much fun. (laughs) (laughs) But... But we might as well have, um, you know, a little bit of uh, lev- Rea- reality. Re- reality, right? As we, you know,
0: right? Just like in past life regression, we can't all be kings and queens. Not every life. No, not every life. No, I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> so, beginning, I'm I'm going to um, I'm going to start with the 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 one in the enneagram, and what can often be. Um, a unconscious emotion is anger. And the one is part of the, the, the gut or the, the belly, the belly triad. Mm -hmm. And so the, this anger though will often exist in, in the type one in a repressed uh, version and it can show up as irritation can show up as resentment. It can show up as annoyance. Um, and this anger is, you know, uh, unlike somebody like me feeling anger, how it lives in a one, it's often fueled by a drive toward perfection. The so one in the Enneagram, by nature, is seeking resolution in trying to improve themselves and or anyone they come into contact with um, or the world or what their, whatever cause is um, motivating them. And they will also seek relation uh, resolution purely in virtue as well. Mm. The type two in the Enneagram, what, again is often an an unconscious driver is is pride. And it can manifest as a need to seduce others. Um, can be strategic strategically to meet their their very own needs. Not the needs of the other, but to get their own needs met and the and the other thing that tends that can be very unconscious with twos is that um they're unaware of what they're needing and that these needs are actually disowned in what can be regarded as a prideful stance and couched in doing service to others doing service for others rather
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all making sense in terms of the episode 58.
1: Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, and for type three, the unconscious driver is often vanity, or it is vanity, actually. And vanity expresses itself through a need to achieve, and maintain a successful image. And this might be, um, this is again, it's often unconscious. Um, Some, some threes might be out there on stage and other threes might be much more um, low key. However, there can be an inner drive to compete and achieve. And so it's whatever image is going to have them be successful. Um, They really can be the ultimate chameleons. So uh, this vanity factor can be extremely unconscious, extremely unconscious. So moving on to the 4, the 4 in the enneagram, their the, their passion, their unconscious driver as an emotional state is envy. And almost every 4 um and something I will go into in another segment is there is uh something called self-preservation 1 to 1 can be referred to as um you know, bonding uh, bonding type uh, or social every t- every type has every type has subtypes. So these descriptions that I'm reading can look different depending on what subtype is actually dominant for the person. So as I'm going through all of this, just know that the expression of this can really vary depending on the subtype that is dominant. The Enneagram is very complex. It is really impossible to touch on any aspect of it in, in its totality in any, in any segment. So that's part of what has had me hooked for 15 years. So back to the envy and the four. So every, every type four has something about suffering um, that is exaggerated in some way, and um, for for some fours, their suffering grows out of a habit of comparing themselves to others and feeling and feeling envious um, or competitive so moving on to type five, the emotional passion for the five is avarice and the five, let me just speak to that for a second, often has a a with a with withdrawing stance. So this avarice comes with this feeling um, of being compelled to withhold and to hold on to what little time, energy, or resources they believe they have. And yet this is This is very, very real for the fives in the Enneagram. Very, very real. Moving on to type six. Type six, the emotional passion is fear. And so, and what, there's a little bit of what comes first, the chicken or the egg with doubt and fear. Um a lot of times our thought, we can have doubting thoughts that then result in us feeling fearful. Um, and then we can have feelings of fear that then can cascade into a series of doubting thoughts. Um, the focus of attention then is on, you know, how to um, prepare our, so that we, whatever we're fearing doesn't actually come true. How do we secure ourselves and with you know, getting safety being the six is essentially about safety and security. Um, so, I'll I'll speak a little bit you know for a second because there are so many sixes in the world um, that there can be different energetic temperatures, so to speak, to how fear can live um, inside of different types of sixes and how. How we can feel to others, so the self-preservation six is often um, referred to as um, a warm six. So warm tends to be um, the, the overall feeling, and that can be a little bit. Um, you're like it could, it could be one of those, you know, head scratchers. Really, somebody somebody's warmth is the result of somebody feeling fearful. Actually, yes, because the self-preservation or warm six, one of their ways to disarm another person, is if I meet you with with hospitality and friendliness and warmth, um, my hope is that you will meet me in kind, and nothing bad will happen, and we can come to a harmonious agreement. So in a way, warmth is the self-preservation sixes way of keeping fear at bay. If I am agreeable and warm, then fear is quieter. Then there's the, another, another, another expression of, of fear with the social six. And the social sixes tend to be cooler, can really feel actually distant, and aloof. Um, And yet what is, what is, what is actually behind that is there is their attention is on following rules in a certain way um, with regard to the group wanting to know what their position is and what their, what their role is, their sense of a sense of order is very relaxing to the six. It keeps the sixes fear at ease. If we're operating inside of a group and people know their roles and are following the rules, then things are likely to not get out of hand, right? So it's a, uh, a social way, so to speak. And again, social is not about being social. Um, but it's one's orientation in a group, and that group could be a family, for instance.
0: Oriata- orientation to others, correct? Generally, Gen- yes. I mean, it does yeah,
1: yeah, actually, yeah. And then the the one to one subtype, and how that strategy is with re- with regard to fear, um, and the temperature is hot. Right, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm one of those.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you're looking at another one, and
1: I think I'm looking at another one, yeah. you know, so the temperature is hot. What does hot mean? Hot means intense. hot means we can fire up quickly mm-hmm. um, we like um you know if if my personality type as a as a as a one to one six begins to get um afraid of something that my needs aren't going to get met, or even I'm going to be misunderstood or what have you my, my, my way of speaking might get quicker, I'm going to be leaning in to whatever it is for resolve. And, and so that's what gets called hot. Um, It gets intense. Um, And the hope is that if I, if I move, if I move in on that, and I find and I snuff out whatever I think might be potential harm, to me or to another that it will um, that I'll eradicate it. So um, you know of course they're so again this is all I'm just answering this question with regard to its re- how this expresses itself somewhat in relationship to fear. Um, one other one other aspect I'll speak to is with um, with counterphobic sixes, which is which are our own unique brand. Um, a lot of the men and women you'll see out doing crazy extreme sports, um, from motorcycle riding, bungee jumping, you name it. Uh, a lot of what will drive people doing extreme life threatening things is, if I can dare life in a big way, then it's almost like i'll if if i i'll outdo fear itself i'm going to I'm going to blow past fear and conquer it by defying it and and in that process there's also a like a shut off valve happens, and one is not aware of fear beyond a certain point because you can't be aware of fear and do life threatening things. So it is, it's a fear to, it's an absolutely fear.
0: So are these commonly called risk takers?
1: You, well, you could say that, um, but it's more, but it's truly more extreme because every type mm-hmm. I'm just trying to give the, 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 the flavor for the counterphobic six okay. as it relates to fear. Every type could be a risk taker mm-hmm. for a different reason, but the counterphobic six is in a way denying you know it's it's de- defying fear they're actually if af- they they are so actually terrified of feeling fear that they go to the most extreme way to prove that they don't need to be af- afraid of fear so there you go um i think i, I think i touched on i think i touched on the six well enough there.
0: I, yeah, it's pretty well nailed in me.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so again, the, that counterphobic piece, again, it's a, it's really about by going against fear from a position of strength. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on to the seven. And then seven is interesting. The, the emotional passion is gluttony. And you know, again, if you would go up to anybody and say, wow, you know, go up to a seven, what's your relationship to gluttony? And if this person doesn't know anything about the Enneagram, they might look at you funny, right? Not that we would ask anybody this particular question. But this gluttony, you know, um, if one is in the the posture of being gluttonous, uh, as a self-preservation seven, since I've gone a little bit on this uh, bandwagon here, They will be searching for pleasure and satisfaction and satisfying opportunities, and will be creating a network of allies. Um, One of my dearest friends in the world is a self preservation seven, and um, let me tell you, they are just they are a hoot and a half to have uh, to have in your life. However, the um, you know again, I'm just going to use this opportunity to say that no type has a free pass there is no type that is the type that is a better type for waking up because um a, one of my co- local colleagues um Sarah Davis and I were leading a leading a meet up last night and you know and we were talking about how sobriety is the it's the that's the virtue the way home for the 7 is to be able to be sober sober emotionally this isn't about alcohol or anything like that so imagine if one's unconscious emotional driver is gluttony it's like really sobriety i mean that you know especially to a 7 that can seem so boring right and yet how to how to have that how to have that peace um i digress moving on to the social type 7 the the how the social type 7 um their relationship it, it the gluttony expresses itself as an anti-gluttony and it's ironic but it's through actually being of service to others um so their orientation is it's almost like that of the the like the 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 two in the Enneagram or the nine. It can actually look very much like another type. Um, this expression is a, a, a counter countertype for the seven. Um there it's not so easy. um, that's why I love the enneagram panels because uh, this can be more clarifying. There aren't um there aren't as many social sevens, but this is truly their anti gluttony expression, it's like, I don't want to be seen as that. So almost so they put a lot of energy into their image, out in the world of promoting being of service, they can be all about causes. And that will um, be their antidote to uh, what could be a not so great image of being gluttonous so the the one to one expression of of gluttony for the seven is they will they will channel their gluttony in more of a of an idealistic search for the uh, the ultimate experience the ultimate relationship it could be awakening, but it's really whatever is going to be their ultimate um, experience. And it can be, um, you know, an intense, you know, savoring and, um, major may a lot of energy focused on whatever it is that has their attention. They're essentially consumed by this. So moving on to type eight, the, uh, the unconscious emotional passion is lust. Uh, The self-preservation type eight goes for what is needed to survive in life in the most direct, powerful, and lusty way. The social type of the nine it lust expresses itself as a need to protect others, and they will go up against those that commit injustices. And the one-to-one uh, expression of, of the eight as it relates to lust is a, a passionate charismatic character who will have no problem going against social conventions in a provocative way. I personally think that Donald Trump is a 1 to 1 8. So interesting. Just as a little Why do you say that? little tasty sidebar.
0: What's well, tasty? <laughs> so why why do you say that? Just expound a little bit on that, please. Uh
1: well, his whole his whole spiel, the whole campaign was I'm anti-establishment, mm-hmm. right? And and putting forth how he will go against social convention and and having no problem saying anything that's not politically correct, you know, building a wall, comments about women um so there is he was to say he was provocative is an understatement mm-hmm. right um so. Now, of course, now that he's elected, there's another agenda that seems to be unfolding um so and that could be an an another disorder but um but as <laughs> but as it relates to the Enneagram, there was just this single minded um agenda that he was able to accomplish, and that people found enough people found attractive um and that was where the charisma came in. Even though he was offending people left and right, there was there's a certain attractiveness to somebody that um, that lusts for power. Right. That's essentially that's one of the things that it's really a lust for it with the eight. It's a it's a lust for power. So anyway, moving on. Yeah, that's the fun. nine, um, the nine in the enneagram, the. And this can be—it's um, an interesting, an interesting word. The emotion is uh, the unconscious emotion is sloth, right? So sloth, even in you can almost hear it in in the the way the the word is expressed, right? It it's how it expresses in a nine. It's it's as a need for a a fusion. Um, in the service um, of the passion of sloth, it, because merging with someone else um, other than themselves is uh, it's an unconscious way that nines will distract themselves from their own reluctance to act on their own behalf. And so it's not so obvious, right, right up front. And again, that's why these are unconscious. So in that, that last piece is, is um, I just want to say that again, um, it's almost there's an unconscious reluctance to act on their own behalf um, from, you know, their, their own sense of self, it's easier for, you know, nines are naturally oriented to other people's agendas. And so it's really, really a growth edge for the nine to act on their own behalf for their own good, beginning, beginning there. And so the sloth, the sloth piece um, is a place where the nine self forgets. And a almost a, uh, an an inert kind of uh, of a of a laziness can take over and and have it be easier. Just it's just easier to keep the peace and become merged with the other person, and that can look um, a, a number of different ways depending on the subtype. So the one to one subtype. Um, their favorite way of merging is with one other, typically a beloved, you know, loves the one to one nines love to be in intimate relationship. And but the sloth element is that they become more identified with the other person's agenda than their own, than their own needs, right? It, it has to do with not standing up for oneself, and owning their own sense of self, however that wants to exp- express itself. The self-preservation, the 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 sloth has to do with with body or physical comforts. Um, a lot of attention can be on having the home and stuff in their life, so that um, so that they are comfortable, and there can be a sloth-like relationship to. The body, meaning, you know, what body? Do I have a body? I, I, I need to take care of this thing. I need to exercise this body. I would rather be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the social sub- subtype of the nine as it relates um, to sloth, can, they can get lost in with the group, actually with participating with a group. The, the, the social nines can actually be the most active participating t- um, nines out in the world. Um, but the, the sloth piece is again, losing, um, that, that sense of self, but as it has to do with relationship with the group and the, the, I would say the abiding cost, um, of the, the slothness I just made that up is it, 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 it becomes at the expense of, of, knowing or feeling one's aliveness really the experience of life itself which being comfortable uh you know that's that's a that's a pretty big price you know so uh, you know just to to bring this back to the beginning of what i was saying um of this this segment of loving who you loving loving who we are and meeting ourselves um this this process of of integration of all of who we are, of transforming ourselves, it truly is not for the faint of heart. Um one really needs to be ready and willing to love all aspects of ourselves. And the, the, the shadow parts um I find are actually where the greatest jewels lie. You know, so going back to our, you know, little acorn that needs to go underground and the shell needs to disintegrate and break and open so that we can become these grand oak trees of, of who we are. Uh, the, the motivation, the incentive is that. Yes, um is feeling fear comfortable? No. But as I as I as I meet it and as I transmute it, it opens the door to creative action, to my to a sense of aliveness, to me and all of us taking action on the parts of our lives that we that matter the most. So I would love to close with um, inviting, you know, each and every one of you who is ready to begin, and it, it might even begin the process of lovingly meeting yourself, lovingly taking the ribbon off of these little boxes that hold jewels inside of ourselves. And to know that this process can be done with great care and great love. And yet the rewards are tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And so let yourself be surprised by life. You know, let yourself be surprised by The power of the Enneagram and the ancient wisdom that lives inside of you. So, I'm available for one-to-one coaching. And um, my information will be on the Alternative Health Tools website. Um, I'm excited to, uh, in 2017, I'll be creating some workshops that are going to be more somatically somatically based so that we That's are awesome. embodying these changes i feel that is one of the a very very key way of integrating the wisdom and i am just really grateful to be here with you today john and thank you for this opportunity oh, you're welcome
0: super nice to have you back and it was really awesome. I sort of felt myself going deeper into the Enneagram wisdom. That first episode, if you haven't heard it, is episode 58, and it was released on November first, 2016. It's actually a really—I mean, I th- you know what's really great about this is that it's not so highly structured. I mean, I know it's complex, but it's not so highly structured that you can actually listen to this episode— and then go back and listen to fifty eight, right? And it will just make sense, just as if you had listened to fifty eight and then listened to this episode, which I think will be episode sixty, but I'm not quite sure yet. Yes, the- I mean, in other words, there's no starting place, stopping place. There's just there's so much to it that you just pick it up. But the fundamentals of what you're talking about is is that every one of these quote unquote numbers exist and live within us. Is that would you say that's true? <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again for being here.